O Passes to India, Chapter 26 Evening approached by the time Fielding and Miss Quested met and had the first of their numerous curious conversations. He had hoped, when he woke up, to find someone had fetched her away, but the college remained isolated from the rest of the universe. She asked whether she could have a sort of interview, and when he had made no reply, said, Have you any explanation of my extraordinary behavior? None, he said curtly. Why make such a charge if you were going to withdraw it? Why, indeed? I ought to feel grateful to you, I suppose, but I don't expect gratitude. I only thought you might care to hear what I have to say. Oh, well, he grumbled, feeling rather schoolboyish. I don't think a discussion between us is desirable. To put it frankly, I belong to the other side in this castly affair. Would it not interest you to hear my side? Not much. I shouldn't tell you in confidence, of course. So you can hand all my remarks to your side. For there is one great mercy that has come out of all today's misery. I have no longer any secrets. My echo has gone. I call the buzzing sound in my ears an echo. You see, I have been unwell ever since that expedition to the caves, and possibly before it. The remark interested him rather. It was what he had sometimes suspected himself. What kind of illness? He inquired. She touched her head at the sight, then shook it. That was my first thought, the day of the arrest hallucination. Do you think that would be so? She asked with great humility. What should have given me an hallucination? One of three things certainly happened in the Marabar, he said, getting drawn into a discussion against his will. One of four things. Either Aziz is guilty, which is what your friends think, or you invented the charge out of malice which is what my friends think, or you have had an hallucination. I am very much inclined, getting up and striding about, now that you tell me that you felt unwell before the expedition, it's an important piece of evidence. I believe that you yourself broke this trap of the field glasses. You were alone in that cave the whole time. Perhaps. Can you remember when you first felt out of sorts? When I came to tea with you there in that garden house, a somewhat unlucky party. Aziz and old God Bully were both ill after it too. It was not ill. It is far too vague to mention. It is all mixed up with my private affairs. I enjoyed the singing. But just about then, a sort of sadness began that I couldn't detect at that time. No, nothing as solid as sadness. Living at half pressure expresses it best. Half pressure. I remember going on to Polo with Mr. Heeslope at the Maidan. Various other things happened. It doesn't matter what. But I was under par for all of them. I was certainly in that state when I saw the caves, and you suggest, you suggest that I had an hallucination there, the sort of thing, 
though in an awful form that makes some women think they have had an offer of marriage when none was made you put it honestly anyhow i was brought up to be honest the trouble is at gets me nowhere liking her better he smiled and said it's it will get us to heaven will it if heaven existed do you not believe in heaven mr fielding may i ask she said looking at him shyly i do not yet i believe that honesty gets us there how can that be let us go back to hallucinations i was watching you carefully through your evidence this morning and if i am right the hallucination disappeared suddenly she tried to remember what she had felt in court but could not the vision disappeared whenever she wished to interpret it events presented themselves to me in their logical sequence was what she said but it had not been that at all my belief and of course i was listening carefully in hope you would make some slip my belief is that poor magbright ex- exorcised you as soon as he asked you a straightforward question you gave a straightforward answer and broke down exorcise in that sense i thought you meant i would seen a ghost i don't go to that length people whom i respect very much believe in ghost she said rather sharply my friend mrs moore dutch she is an old lady i think you need not be impolite to her as well as to her son i did not intend to be rude i only meant it is difficult as we get on in life to resist the supernatural i have felt it coming on me myself i still jog on without it but what a temptation at 45 to pretend that the dead live again once own dead no one else matter because the dead don't live again i fear not so do i there was a moment's silence such as often follows the triumph of rationalism then he apologized handsomely enough for his behavior to his loop at the club what does dr aziz say of me she asked after another pause he he has not been capable of thought in his misery naturally he is very bitter said fielding a little awkward because such remarks as aziz had made were not merely bitter they were foul the underlying notion was it disgraces me to have been mentioned in connection with such a hack it enraged him that he had been accused by a woman who had no personal beauty sexually he was a snob this had puzzled and worried fielding sensuality as long as it is straightforward did not repel him but this derived sensuality the sort that classes a mistress among motor cars if she is beautiful and among eye flies if she isn't was alien to his own emotions and he felt a barrier between himself and aziz whenever it arose it was in a new form the old old trouble that eats the heart out of every civilization snobbery the desire for possessions creditable appendages and it is to escape this rather than the lust of the flesh that 
saint's retreat into the Himalayas. To change the subject, he said, but let me conclude my analysis. We are agreed that he is not a villain and that you are not one, and we aren't really sure that it was an hallucination. There's a fourth possibility which we must touch on. Was it somebody else? The guide? Exactly, the guide. I often think so. Unluckily, Aziz hit me, him, on the face, and he got a fright and disappeared. It is most unsatisfactory, and we had not the police to help us. The guide was of no interest to them. Perhaps it was the guide, she said quietly. The question had lost interest for her suddenly. Of, or could it have been one of that gang of Patans who have been drifting through the district? Someone who was in another cave and followed me when the guide was looking away, possibly. At that moment, Hamidullah joined them and seemed not too pleased to find them closest together. Like everyone else in Chandrapur, he could make nothing of Miss Quested's conduct. He had overheard their last remark. Hello, my dear Fielding, he said. So I run you down at last. Can you come out at once to Dilkusha? At once? I hope to leave in a moment. Don't let me interrupt, said Adela. The telephone has been broken. Miss Quested can't ring up her friends, he exclaimed. A great deal has been broken, more than will ever be mended, said the other. Still, there should be some way of transporting this lady back to the civil lines. The resources of civilization are numerous. He spoke without looking at Miss Quested, and he ignored the slight movement she made towards him with her hand. Fielding, who thought the meeting might as well be friendly, said, Miss Quested has been explaining a little about her conduct of this morning. Perhaps the age of miracles has returned. One must be prepared for everything, our philosopher says. It must have seemed a miracle to the onlookers, said Adela, addressing him nervously. The fact is that I realized before it was too late that I had made a mistake and had just enough presence of mind to say so. That is all my extraordinary conduct amounts to. All it amounts to, indeed, he retorted, quivering with rage but keeping himself in hand, for he felt she might be setting another trap. Speaking as a private individual in a purely informal conversation, I admired your conduct and I was delighted when our warm-hearted student's car landed you. But, like Mr. Fielding, I'm surprised. Indeed, surprise is too weak a word. I see you drag my best friend into the dirt, damage his health and ruin his prospects, in a way you cannot conceive owing to his, your ignorance of our society and religion. And then suddenly you get up in the witness box. Oh no! Mr. McBride, after all, I am not quite sure. You may as well let him go. Am I mad? I keep asking myself, is it a dream? And if so, when did it start? And without doubt, it is a dream that has not yet finished. For I gather you have not done with us yet, and it is now the turn of the poor old guide who conducted you round in the caves. Not at all. We were only discussing possibilities, interposed Fielding. 
an interesting pastime but a lengthy one. There are 170 million Indians in this notable peninsula. And of course, one or the other of them entered the cave. Of course, some Indian is the culprit. We must never doubt that. And since, my dear Fielding, these possibilities will take you some time, here he put his arm over the Englishman's shoulder and swayed him to and fro gently. Don't you think you had better come out to the Nawab Bahadur's, or I should say to Mr. Zulfikar's, for that is the name he now requires us to call him by. Gladly, in a minute. I have just settled my movements, said Miss Quested. I shall go to the dark bungalow. Not the turtons, said Hamidullah, goggle-eyed. I thought you were their guest. The dark bungalow of Chandrapur was below the average and certainly servantless. Fielding, though he continued to sway with Hamidullah, was thinking on independent lines and said in a moment, I have a better idea than that. Miss Quested, you must stop here at the college. I shall be away at least two days and you can have the place entirely to yourself and make your plans at your convenience. I don't agree at all, said Hamidullah, with every symptom of dismay. The idea is a thoroughly bad one. There may quite well be another demonstration tonight, and suppose an attack is made on the college? You would be held responsible for this lady's safety, my dear fellow. They might equally attack the dark bungalow. Exactly, but the responsibility there ceases to be yours. Quite so, I have given trouble enough. Do you hear? The lady admits it's herself. It's not an attack from our people, I fear. You should see their orderly conduct at the hospital. What we must regard against is an attack secretly arranged by the police for the purpose of discrediting you. McBride keeps plenty of ropes for this purpose and this would be the very opportunity for him. Never mind. She is not going to the dark bungalow, said Fielding. He had a natural sympathy for the downtrodden that was partly why he rallied from Aziz and had become determined not to leave the poor girl in the lurch. Also, he had a newborn respect for her, consequent on their talk. Although her hard school mistressy manner remained, she was no longer examining life, but being examined by it. She had become a real person. Then where is she to go? We shall never have done with her. For Miss Quested had not appealed to Hamidullah. If she had shown emotion in court, broken down, beat her breast and invoked the name of God, she would have summoned forth his imagination and generosity. He had plenty of both. But while relieving the oriental mind, she had chilled it, with the result that he could scarcely believe she was sincere, and indeed from his standpoint she was not. For her behavior rested on cold justice and honesty she had felt while she recanted, no passion of love for those whom she had wronged. Truth is not truth in that exacting land unless there go with it kindness and more kindness and kindness again, unless the word that was with God also is God. And the girl's sacrifice, 
so creditable according to western notions was rightly rejected because though it came from her heart it did not include her heart a few garlands from students was all that india ever gave her in return but where is she to have her dinner where is she to sleep i say here here and if she is hit on the head by roughs she is hit on the head that is my contribution well miss quested you are very kind i should have said yes i think but i agree with mr hamidullah i must give no more trouble to you i believe my best plan is to return to the turtles and see if they will allow me to sleep and if they turn me away i must go to the dark the collector would take me in i know but mr sturton said this morning that she would never see me again she spoke without bitterness or as hamidullah thought without proper pride her aim was to cause the minimum of annoyance far better stop here than expose yourselves to insults from that preposterous women do you find her preposterous i used to i don't know well here's our solution said the barrister who had terminated his slightly minatory cares and strolled to the window here comes the city magistrate he comes in a third class band ghari for purposes of disguise he comes unattended but here comes the city magistrate at last said adela sharply which caused fielding to glance at her he comes he comes he comes i cringe i tremble will you ask him what he wants mr fielding he wants you of course he may not even know i am here i'll see him first if you prefer when he had gone hamidullah said to her bitingly really really need you have exposed mr fielding to this further discomfort he is far too considerate she made no reply and there was complete silence between them until their host returned he has some news for you he said you'll find him on the veranda he prefers not to come in does he tell me to come out to him whether he tells you or not you will go i think said hamidullah she paused then said perfectly right and then said a few words of thanks to the principal of his kindness to her during the day thank goodness that's over he remarked not escorting her to the veranda for he held it unnecessary to see ronnie again it was insulting of him not to come in he couldn't very well after my behavior to him at the club he slope doesn't come out badly besides fate has treated him pretty roughly today he has had a cable to the effect that his mother's dead poor old soul oh really mrs moore i'm sorry said hamidullah rather indifferently she died at sea the heat i suppose presumably may is no man to allow an old lady to travel in quite so he slope ought never to have let her go and he knows it shall we be off let us wait until the happy couple leave the compound clear they really are intolerable dawdling there oh well building you don't believe in providence i remember i do 
This is Heathrow's punishment for abducting our witness in order to stop establishing our alibi. You go rather too far there. The poor lady's evidence could have had no value. Shout and shriek Mahmud Ali as he will. She could not see through the kawa door even if she had wanted to. Only Miss Quested could have saved him. She loved Aziz, he says, also India, and he loved her. Love is of no value in a witness, as a barrister ought to know. But I see there is about to be an SMS Esmore legend at Chandrapur, my dear Hamidullah, and I will not impede its growth. The other smiled and looked at his watch. They both regretted the death, but they were middle-aged men who had invested their emotions elsewhere, and outburst of grief could not be expected from them over a slight acquaintance. It's only one's own dead who matter. If for a moment the sense for communion in sorrow came to them, it passed. How, indeed, is it possible for one human being to be sorry for all the sadness that meets him on the face of the earth, for the pain that is endured not only by men, but by animals and plants, and perhaps by the stones? The soul is tired in a moment, and in fear of losing the little she does understand, she retreats to the permanent lines which habit or chance have dictated, and suffers there. Fielding had met the dead woman only two or three times. Hamidullah had seen her in the distance once, and they were far more occupied with the coming gathering at Dilkusha, the victory dinner for which they would be most victoriously late. They agreed not to tell Aziz about Mrs. Moore till the morrow, because he was fond of her and the bad news might spoil his fun. Oh, this is unbearable, muttered Hamidullah, for Miss Quested was back again. Mr. Fielding, has Ronnie told you of this new misfortune? He bowed. Oh, me. She sat down and seemed to stiffen into a monument. His love is waiting for you, I think. I do so long to be alone. She was my best friend, far more to me than to him. I can't bear to be with Ronnie. I can't explain. Could you do me the very kindness of letting me stop at after all? Hamidullah swore violently in the vernacular. I should be pleased. But does Mr. Hislow wish it? I didn't ask him. We are too much upset. It's so complex, not like what unhappiness is supposed to be. Each of us ought to be alone and think. Do come and see Ronnie again. I think he should come in this time, said Fielding, feeling that this much was due to his own dignity. Do ask him to come. She returned with him. He was uh, half miserable, half arrogant. Indeed, a strange mix-up, and broke at once into uneven speech. I came to bring Miss Quested away, but her visit to the Turtons has ended, and there is no other arrangement so far. Mine are bachelor quarters now. Fielding stopped him courteously. Say no more. Miss Quested stops here. I only wanted to be assured of your approval. Miss Quested. You had better send for your own servant if he can be found. But I will leave orders with mine to do all they can for you. Also, I'll let our scouts know. They have guarded the college ever since it was closed and may as well 
go on i really think you will be as safe here as anywhere i shall be back thursday meanwhile hamidullah determined to spare the enemy no incidental pain had said to ronnie we hear sir that your mother has died may we ask where the cable came from aden oh you were boasting she had reached aden in court but she died on leaving bombay broke in broke in adela she was dead when they called her name this morning she must have been buried at sea somehow this stopped hamidullah and he desisted from his brutality which had shocked fielding more than anyone else he remained silent while the details of miss quest's occupation of the college were arranged merely remarking to ronnie it is clearly to be understood so that neither mr fielding nor any of us are responsible for this lady's safety at government's college to which ronnie agreed after that he watched the semi chivalrous behavings of the three english with quite amusement he thought fielding had been incredibly silly and weak and he was amazed by the younger people's want of proper pride when they were driven out to dilkusha hours late he said to amritra who accompanied them mr amritra have you considered what sum misquested ought to pay as compensation 20000 rupees no more was then said but the remark horrified fielding he could not bear to think of the quiver honest girl losing her money and possibly her young man too she advanced into his consciousness suddenly and fatigued by the merciless and enormous day he lost his usual sane view of human intercourse and felt that we exist not in ourselves but in terms of each other's minds a notion for which logic offers no support and which had attacked him only once before the evening after the catastrophe when from the veranda of the club he saw the feast and fingers of the marabar swell until they included the whole sky